podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Guys, welcome back to another episode of the Nina Carver Show. I'm not a big fan of these late kickoffs, but you know what? It's all good when the Reds are hot on the heels of Manchester City, and here we are, a point behind them, beating the inform Arsenal two 0 in their back garden with some, you know, some of those players that Arsenal just hit playing against, getting on the score in action as well. Happy days indeed. Well, certainly happy evenings. And um, joining me on this podcast, I have two incredible guests. So without further ado, let me introduce them. First up, a man that has an impeccable record when it comes to these late kickoffs. Should I break a sweat? I think not. It's Carl. Carl, welcome back. Glad to be here, Nina. And I mean, it was never, was it really ever in doubt when, you know, you have me on the pod afterwards on a midweek match? It's just, a, it's just some records, you know, it's, it might, might even be more impressive than the, the Reds' recent run of reigns. I know. When in doubt, just, just, just bring on Carl for a late kickoff, you know, job done. And joining Carl on this podcast, um, it's a familiar voice on the Nina Kaza show. It's my good friend um, who passed a late fitness test and he's going to be, you know, dropping some uh, dropping some amazing, amazing lines on this podcast and I cannot wait to hear from him. It is a man that needs, again, no introduction, but I will give him one. Justin Wells. Glad that you're Unique New York. Unique New York. Unique. I mean, sorry, I was doing vocal exercises, you know, got to keep the, the chords fresh. Uh, that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. It was fun. You know what? Uh, before I get your immediate reaction, because it is late, and I'm going to get our first caller on. Um, again, Mr. Consistent. Uh, Kieran, welcome back. Thank you. No. It's a pleasure having you on. You're part of the show now. You know what to do. <laughs> Looking forward to hearing what you have to say and, you know, kicking off this podcast nicely. So the floor is yours. Uh, it was a huge, huge one. Um, obviously against uh, an Arsenal side who've been in decent form. I know they didn't uh, exactly beat uh, great teams, but they're still in great form nonetheless and you have to respect them. Um, first half was... A bit of a slog. It was we were very ordinary first half, and we just really struggled um, at times the first half. But I think once we got on at half time, and I just felt that that kick up the arse from Kloppo definitely gave the players a big boost. In the second half, we came out and we showed why we are levels above them at this moment in time. So look, it's uh. It was not, It wasn't an outstanding performance, but you know, like I said before, it's a massive one, you know, and that's all that matters. 
It does, absolutely. And I think it's a brilliant point. And it ties up nicely, um, Carl, with something what Steve Pizza put in the chat here. Can't call in, but <laughs> would love a few minutes debate on were Arsenal good or were we shit in the first half? And I just thought I'd just like blend them two together with, with what Kieran's just said there. And of course, with um, Steve Pizza wanting us to be all philosophical on the Nina Kaiser podcast. So, Carl, I'll come to you first because, you know, I, I sit there and I try making match notes and there wasn't an awful lot going on. I mean, like, I felt like we, it was very compact. I felt like we looked quite like disjointed you know I felt like you know Martinelli was that kind of bright spark and they were trying to attack us on on our right hand side I mean just talk to me what you felt about the first half and maybe the personnel as well on you know on the right hand side as well because obviously we know Marnie started that right we had Hendo there and um, Trent as well but you know just just your thoughts on everything that we've just kind of mentioned at the first half and maybe the tactical setup yeah, I, I think in terms of the question of whether Arsenal were good or, or we were just a bit shit, it's it's a bit of column A, a bit of column B. I mean, I think Arsenal, they, they set up how we expected, but I think they, they held that shape well. And I think what they did maybe different to the last league game was their wide players were just that little bit more pushed up, which kind of gave our fullbacks a bit more to deal with and, and did cause us some problems, particularly on our right side. Um, I think a few of our players were a bit off it. So Mane, Jota, Henderson and Thiago, to, to name a few. Mm. And I think there was a lot of sloppy passing. I think um, Neville was on commentary for, for my... Uh, obviously, I was watching on Sky. And yep, I think yeah. about a half an hour in he he mentioned how poor Liverpool's passing had been and that was the area where they they needed to improve and I I do agree with that as much as I don't like to agree with Gary Neville too often um so I I think it it was as I said it was was sloppiness from us good shape from Arsenal good effort levels from Arsenal as well I think I I saw at one point someone tweeting you know can, can Liverpool just win one second ball because it did seem like Arsenal were first every second ball but I think the, the important thing is that despite, you know, Arsenal maybe having their tails up a bit, they, they didn't really create anything in that first half. Um, it's maybe one chance I thought maybe was where they did a switch over to Saka and he, he got a ball in and, and uh, it came to Martinelli on the edge of the box. But other than that, there, there, there wasn't too much of a threat. And I think that's because key for Liverpool was that their defensive players, Van Dijk, Matip, Robertson and, and Fabinho, all looked on it and, and they were able to, to do the job to, to keep Arsenal quiet in, in the most dangerous areas, which was important. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I do agree with that. I mean, it was quite frustrating that we couldn't actually string our passes together. Justin, same question to you as well. I mean, I watched the game with my sister and I'm not going to say, you know, she's, um, you know, um, a stato or she knows what she's talking about, but she, she kind of made a point and she goes, I might be wrong in terms of the numbers, but like we've played way more games than Arsenal. Because obviously we've got Europe and we're, we're like sort of contending way more. And she said um, they've played like half the amount of games that we have. And obviously when you look at some of the performances in some of those players, we did look, although the pl- passing was sloppy, I do feel like we did look quite fatigued as well. I mean, to win the quadruple, we'll play 63 games. When we won the Champions League, I believe we played 57. 
So Oof. like you're basically taking every single week, every single dead game day in the schedule basically becomes occupied by a game. Like I, I was, this is a total aside, but a friend of mine in another uh, thread, another Liverpool supporter, tweeted across, you know, sent across the updated schedule for April, and you know, basically was like, you know, this schedule is bullshit. When, when they're sticking, like they couldn't stick, you know, they'd stick that city's games in, you know, in these days. And it's just like, well, there's no open days to stick games into our schedules. Like there is, there are none. So like, I don't think there's a, my point there is there's no scheduling conspiracy against Liverpool, but the hope, but like at this exact point in time, going through 63 games, if you actually try to get that far, there's a reason nobody's done the quadruple, right? Trebles are hard because the, all those extra games add up. And, you know, thankfully we have a squad that might actually be big enough to handle it. But you can start to see in certain situations, Jurgen's tightening up his rotations again back to players he trusts because the midfield lately has been basically a, you know, a four, five, and a four and a half man rotation of Henderson, Keita, Fabinho, uh, Tiago, and he's thrown Curtis in here and there. But he hasn't really extended his midfield rotation lately. So those guys are all going to get you know, possibly a little bit worn down. I actually think an international break is coming at the right time for us. And we just need to hope that a lot of these players don't get sent to their national teams. Like if you're Tiago or Jordan Henderson and you even remotely get interest in being called up, like fake being sick. There's, there's nothing that can, there's nothing good that can come from it. And I definitely don't want Fabinho going away with Brazil. Unfortunately, we know we have Mane and Salah actually having to play against each other twice in very quick succession in World Cup qualifiers. So, like, yeah, did we look luggy? Yes. And to go back to the original question is, was Arsenal good and we were not? I think Carl's nailed it. It's kind of column A and column B, right? Mm. Um, I think they're a decent thought, right? They're, they're probably, uh, since about September, they've been the third best team in the Premier League. They've been better than Chelsea since September. And they have some good players, but you can also see why they're, like, they're good. And I think, you know, the answer is, was Arsenal good in the first half? Yeah, Arsenal was good in the first half. We're great, and we played down to good in the second half. We were great, and they just can't get to that level. So I think that's kind of the pattern of that game, how it went, and the answer to the question of, were they good? Yeah, but they were good in the same way that Inter was. They're good, but they're not at our level, and they can hang with us for a little bit, but they can't hang with us for a whole you know, game or a two-leg tie. Like, they're just not at our level. And that's what you saw there. Yeah, no, we, we absolutely did. We absolutely did. And, you know, just speaking about, um, you know, just that first half in general and, you know, everything that kind of frustrated us. I mean, it, I've, you've, you've all hit the nail on the head there. They, they didn't really apply that much pressure. There wasn't many, many scary moments. I just felt like, you know, um, it just kind of felt a bit disjointed on our side. I'm just kind of looking at everything. I think, you know, again, you know, you know, um, Carl, they were talking about the commentary there on the commentary about, you know, Liverpool's um, lack of passing and, you know, um, the passing being poor. But, you know, again, you know, you, you look at a very, very different game. If, you know, right at the end, you know, Mane probably has the best chance of the game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's a fantastic ball in from Trent. And yeah. Like, I, I think we kind of know if if someone's gonna create something, it's it's most likely gonna be Trent um, at the the best of times um, and the worst of times, like in in this case. And I mean, Mane just unfortunately, it's just a bit too much on the stretch for him. And I think um, 
Gabriel also put, puts on good pressure and he can only lift it over the bar. But it's a real warning sign for, for Arsenal. And it to a degree, I feel it kind of gave us a lift because we saw at the start of the second half, we kind of tried more of those kind of, uh, you know, Hollywood passes as, as people refer to them. And, you know, for one man, I got the ball in the back of the net, but was just offside. Another one, obviously, we had a, a decent half chance. And I mean... It's it's nice that we just tried something different. You know, we we weren't pl- able to play around Arsenal's shape in the first half, so we were just completely taking their shape out of it with just that one long ball over the top. And it's nice that we have that in our locker. No, it absolutely is. You know, we can be we can be um, quietly threatening. I mean, Justin, anything you've got to add on that as well? And what um, whilst I'm here as well, I might as well just quickly we have a caller. It will be a familiar voice, and I think Justin, you judging by your reaction, you're quite excited to have this guy on the podcast. So um, I will bring him on ASAP. But um, just your thoughts on Sadio Mane and out on the right, because obviously you know he's. It's been a bit touch and go with him this season. He'll have a good game, he'll have a quiet game, and obviously today he was um, playing on the side that. You know, we haven't seen him all so much on. So I want you to get your thoughts on Sadio Mane's performance today because I felt like the front three to me for a majority of the game did look pretty much isolated. The only one that looked like he was doing things was probably Diaz. But I want to get your thoughts because we'll talk about the subs and we'll talk about the the, the, the in-game change management from Jurgen Klopp. But um, just your thoughts on on the front three that started. I mean, Diogo Jota might have has played one of the worst games I've seen a forward play in a long time. And he's, you know, now outscored Arsenal 4-0 on the season. So um, that, you know, you'll take those when you get them. You know, it, it's it's one of those things. Jota has this reputation of uh, looking like crap and then scoring. And you oh, know yes. what? Like, if that's, your, if that's your reputation as a footballer and you're a forward, like, you'll take it. You know, pe- people won't remember. If you score a goal in a game, people will tend to forget the things that he did badly, like Jota misplacing every single pass he made. I won't remember that tomorrow. I probably will. But I won't remember that next week. I just won't care. I won't care. I don't care about it now because he scored and we won. And, you know, I think Diaz just looked, again, a little bit leggy, but the only other option was to start Bobby. If you start Bobby there, because I, I, there was no way we were going to start Mo in this game. Um, if you yeah. start Bobby there... You're playing, you're playing Mane out to the right. And I don't think the right suits Mane much anymore. He hasn't played it in a long time. Yeah. And also how we attack down the right is very different than how we attack down the left. So yeah. it's, a, it's a very big tactical adjustment because, you know, the left is our ball. Our ball progression is done by carrying, and that's what you use a lot of Mane for. Down the right, that's not afforded to us because of the fact that you have Trent Alexander-Arnold and you don't want to give him any easy short passes. So, def- and, you know, typically... and. So you typically shut off whoever, or try to shut off whoever is to his right, which is why we try to overload with Henderson and Salah so much. So it's a very different position, and it's a skill set that he probably hasn't had to engage in a while. Because if you remember his first season when he played on the right, our goals came from pressing, getting him the ball in space, and having him beat a man. That space hasn't been available on the right on, on the right side of our attack in probably two or three seasons, it's basically since Trent Alexander-Arnold became a world-class uh creator right because you don't want to give him space so it shuts down opportunity it shuts it changes how you have to play because Mane is also used to getting on the end of those balls from Trent which is not what happens on the right side so I think it looked tough for him I do think that there were some points in time where him and Diaz looked like they switched and I think that playing through the center suited him more I just think that maybe Mane's 
future as a productive player, which I think he's very, very still much is. Like I, I he's I, I don't I'm one of the people who thinks that he's not really dropped off that far from where he was. But his future as a productive player feels like it's probably in a central role. Interesting there. And before I bring in our caller, Lubo, whilst you're speaking about Trent, you know, everything seems to be, you know, quite nicely. Lubo here with a club quote. I don't know how genuine this is. It makes me laugh. If anyone says that Trent cannot defend, come to me and I will knock you down. <laughs> it's true. Okay, it's been confirmed. It's true. That Cheers, Lubo. <laughs> we appreciate that. I mean, like, it is classic club, isn't it? I mean, like, I think Lubo put up um, a quote about... um. So he put shares some thoughts about Diaz that he he chills with Harvey Elliott and he's he's amazed at what they actually talk about because obviously language would be an issue there and quite a barrier. Jim, right, guys, we're going to go to our next caller, a familiar voice, uh, host of the Daisy Podcast, everyone's friend on Anfield Index. It's Harinda Singh, also known as everyone's Baji, friendly Baji. Hello. Somebody sounds happy. <laughs> I can't see you the first off. Uh, it's cold. It's been very, 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 very wet. Like truckloads of rain. It's like Manchester weather. That's how it's been. And it's not raining around the 17-ish minute, give or take. So it's been like kind of day uh, in London today. In fact, Sahara just... Your sound is a bit off, Bargy. <clears throat> is it for anyone else? It is. is I, think, I, think, I, think they're, I think they're jamming his signal so he can't spread joy. What's wrong with my signal? You're, you're fa- you, you, you got like uh, you sound like you're in the Matrix, man. You're like, I sound like you got Matrix. that little, oh, okay. you got that little glitchy sound. Oh, if I stand still, does it make it better? Makes it worse. Yes. Start dancing, Start dancing. You want me to start dancing? I'll, I'll, I'll give you something to dance to. Oh, I had an You can put it in for Shaka, yeah, and then we can. Music and we're going to kill him because you're a world player. Oh, I kid you not, someone actually said that today. That is, that is a level of Arsenal fans that we're dealing with. Somebody just said he sounds like R2D2. <laughs> He sounds like the voice synthesizer on like an Intellivision, you know, one of those '70s games consoles. <laughs> Wait, wouldn't it be CP? Wouldn't it be C three PO that he sounds like? Oh, no, it's yeah. RTD. Yeah, because uh, he just beeps all the time, doesn't he? Yeah, I yeah. like R two D two. What's wrong with R two D two? Oh, now you sound great. Wrong Go on, R- There's nothing wrong with R two D two. Exactly. Can't make fucking sense of what he says, but like probably Arsenal instructions. Um, let's, let's face it, you know what? First half was really, really frustrating as a half. You know, like he pulls off a wonder save. Fucking stupid bastard. Um, and after that, it's a bit of dribs and drabs, a bit like the weather. Second half, there's a bit of skill by Diaz. And when I say that he just takes out two or three people by doing it and can retain the ball in our own half, it's fucking amazing. So amazing to see. I don't know how offside the Mane goal was. Um, I was a bit upset because I thought, yay, we've done it. No, we haven't. Fuck. And then Jota the Slaughter does what he does. Bobby Firmino gives me a reason to have my selfie celebration all over again. But reception is fucking shit in the Arsenal Stadium, so you can't share anything until afterwards. But 
it's a job done. Now is a point gap. We ain't the ones who are going to be swaying and it won't be squeaky bum time for the Reds. We'll be in Manchester, but for the blue half, not the red half. The red half is shit. It's fantastic. The blue half have got a lot to worry about. Cannot wait. In the words of Kevin Keegan, I cannot wait until we go and play them. It'll be fantastic. <laughs> absolutely fantastic. Love it. Thank you, Harinda, for spreading the joy. We absolutely love that. Thank you so much. And it could be worse. I could be an Arsenal fan and spread germs. But you'd want to do that. Who they're, 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 they're seriously pissed off, as I said. I don't know if you caught what I said earlier, but they wanted to sell Granite Jacka for 25 million. That's what they're saying coming out of the stadium. You know, if you can sell Granite Jacka for 25 million, who would, you, who would in their right mind would give 25, two and a half million for that shit house? Huh. Man United. Here's your, here's, here's your answer. Here's your answer, Paddy. Man United. With the words in their right mind is part of your sentence. The answer is oh, Jose it... Mourinho wanted him this summer at Roma. That's why Arsenal signed him to an extension. Mourinho was trying to pull him away. So, like, yeah, you know, maybe he could have been okay in Serie A. Like, it would have been a Lucas Leiva type of thing. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's who wanted him. Oh, you know who oh. likes to throw money at stupid things? Manchester United. Yes, they do. Bless them. Oh, but in, in the ways of stupid things, quite a few things have happened today, which is good. So up the Reds, I hope that we carry this on. I hope that Burnley do us a favour to make life a bit easier by the time we play City, but I'm not counting or anything. So that match come the 9th, 10th of April, whatever it is, is now going to be absolutely deciding for everybody, I think. Well, Paji, I'm also going to give you a small piece of uh, additional United schadenfreude. Um <laughs> if you think about it right now, they're paying, I believe, I think they just finally finished paying Moyes off. They're paying off Van Hal, Mourinho, Solskjaer, and soon to be probably paying off Ranić as well. So they're paying a lot of managers right now. Where do I apply? I love it. I know. I love it. Happy days indeed. Well, Harinda, thank you so much. No worries. Up the reds. Take care, guys. Good evening. Oh, Bye. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So that was Harinda Singh there, um, just bringing a lot of positivity, and I'm glad he got his sound issues sorted as well. So we really appreciate that. Sounds very happy. Um, our pitch side reporter, Carl, I'll come to you because obviously they, they've teed me up quite nicely. Jota, again, really, really quiet. I don't think he's been his um, lightning self. Um, but the beautiful thing about Jota is, and I think it happened in the Champions, it was happening in a game, um, where he kind of got two goals. And I think it was in the Champions League, actually. I think it might have been where he can have a completely, completely quiet game. And the guy scores and Justin hit the nail on the head there where you will completely forget the fact that he's been a bit quiet. He's not having one of his best games. He scores and everything is great and wonderful. And I'm on my foot mob app right now and I'm just looking at the player ratings and he got a 7.4 <laughs> like what <laughs> yeah I mean it, it certainly wasn't his best game um, I mean a lot of time when the ball came to him there'd be a poor touch or, or a misplaced pass and I mean he hasn't looked completely on it since he's come back from that injury like he's he came on against Chelsea and and put in some some good effort, a couple of nice presses and and the like. But you know, in terms of his on the ball, it, it hasn't really been there. Um, but I mean, even when he's 
at his best, there, there's been games where he's playing up front and he doesn't see too much of the ball. He, he's not that involved. And then suddenly the ball just comes to him in a dangerous area and it's in the back of the net. Uh, he, like, he, he is that the complete definition of a, a fox in the box, you know. In some ways... He, what a lovely not... ball from Thiago as well. And, you know, beating Ramsdale at near, near post, which is quite, um, I found quite hilarious. Yeah, I mean, uh, Thiago was playing in people at both ends. <laughs> that <laughs> half, but um, we, we won't talk about the, the other one. But uh, no, it's a, it's a great ball to, to put Jota in. It still leaves Jota with a, a lot to do, but uh, lucky for him, Ramsdale helps him out with uh, his best Pickford impression. Um, yeah. I mean, but the, the main thing is you, to make a keeper make a mistake you have to get the the ball on target and Jota is the is a master at that and that's exactly what he does and um lucky for us Ramsdale couldn't keep it out no we couldn't sorry I'm a bit everywhere I'm talking about teeing up nicely and trying to get some rhythm to this pod Justin you've kind of spoke about the Jota goal and it was great to see him score but you know we we, we speak about the first half and to us it was kind of frustrating Harinda hit the nail on the head it's quite uneventful I felt like we couldn't get the rhythm right and obviously um as as Carl said earlier as well, you know, um, passing was an issue as well. The second half started off with some kind of, you know, some kind of fire. Of course, you know, again, Harinda mentioned it, the Mane offside goal. I think Martinelli came very close as well around about the 85th minute. I think Carl alluded to Thiago playing, um, uh, you know, playing great balls on both sides. Um, you know, that, that loose kind of loose pass to kind of Lacazette, I mean, to, um, Alison that Lacazette got on the end of. It, it was quite intense. Yeah. I mean, it was, um, if you if you do really want to focus on something that Tiago did, is just the pass to Jutta for the goal is yeah. disgusting. He took yes. an entire team out with it. Yep. Like froze both of their center backs. Nobody yep. knew where he was gonna play it and he found like right into Jutta's stride. On a pass that's tough. That's a very tough pass to make too, because there's no real angle for Tiago to pass it into. He's basically passing that ball in a straight line ahead into Tiago's path. Like, that's very hard to do. Do over that is them and yeah. able to control the ball. And I think that's where you have to, and that's right in the first half, I credit Arsenal, is they probably, they probably punched themselves out doing it, but they they really pressed the hell out of us. Like Thomas Partey was everywhere for mm-hmm. 25, 30 minutes, but it's tough to keep that particular kind of pace up against any team. And it's particularly tough to do that against arguably the best team in world football. That's us, by the way. Just in case there were any doubts. I mean, the, the Jutta goal came on 53 minutes, Carl. And then at 55 minutes, Jurgen Klopp making a sub, which... It's a little five minutes earlier than his usual self. So obviously the, the players coming off were the goal scorer Jota and Diaz and on come on Salah and Bobby. I mean, I thought they were really, really good subs because I definitely think the game was screaming for Salah. It just needed some kind of, you know, injection in terms of energy. Um, it, it would be great to see him play as well. And of course, you know, we speak about um, Diogo Jota and, you know, the, the sting that he offers against them. Um, 
against Arsenal. But, you know, Bobby Firmino likes to sting him a fair bit as well. So, you know, he comes on and, uh, you know, um, what did you make of those subs? Yeah, I mean, it, it really is a, a kind of feature this season that, that we're seeing Klopp make subs earlier and a lot more frequently. And what's funny is it's, it's gone the opposite way for Man City. <laughs> That's, um, Pep Guardiola doesn't seem to like making subs anymore. And I, I think that used to be the real gap between the, the two was, you know, City had the stronger bench but now we have a very very strong bench and and that's so important when you've got a game where you're not at it you know where you're not at the races we were able to look at that bench at half time and you know fans took confidence from it because they they saw Salah they saw Naby they saw Bobby you know they they, they knew we had options that could come on and and change the game and I think you know Salah seen the obvious change on on paper as we said uh justin touched on M- mané wasn't having his best game out on the right it, it wasn't really suiting him uh we switched diaz over there but we know it's not really to his strength you know he wants to be yeah. on that left side where he can drift in onto that strong right foot so salah coming on even though he himself hasn't been on his best form post uh afcon but his mere presence strikes fear in the heart yeah. of opposition players. Sure. You, you you need to double up on him. You you, you can't you, you can't go go one on one. If you do, he's going to destroy you. He's even when he's off it, he'll just turn it on. And one moment he's in, and it's a goal. So bringing that threat on is just massive. And you know. A lot of people are looking at Salah and, and Naby probably, but not a lot of people are talking about Bobby. And, you know, I was joking with a, a friend of mine who's a, a big Spurs fan before the mm-hmm. game, and I was calling Bobby the, the Arsenal whisperer because he just has <laughs> such a great record against them. And what does he do? He he comes on and, and he gets a goal. And it was a, you know... And he when kind of think- created it as well, didn't he? Because he obviously he's putting pressure on on the defence. And I think one thing about Bobby that I like in this attack, Carl, as well, is the fact that he might not be willing to be the, the, the main man, but he kind of has that discipline and pulls the strings behind them. I mean, he, he almost tried getting an assist and then the ball just ricocheting everywhere and then Robbo just plays a, a ball across goal and, you know, beats his defender and just taps it in and, you know, Bobby Firmino will be Bobby Firmino. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it was fierce pressing. I, I, I think mm. Gag said, like, statistically, it was a, a, a kind of level of press we, we haven't seen before with the, it was just three shots and then obviously one that was a goal resulting from the, the same series of, of presses. Yeah. And that is super impressive. We know how good we are at pressing. It, it's maybe not a, the big talking point of our, our game anymore as it would have been a few years ago in their club, but it's definitely still a big part of it. And I think Bobby has always been, you know, one of those key pressers. And like, you know, his goal, it was a trademark Bobby goal. You know, I think when we he's retired or, or left Liverpool if, and years from now we're looking back, that's the kind of goal we're going to associate with Bobby Firmino. But I mean, it, his goal was a minor part of his impact today for me. I, I think he, yeah. he was excellent. Like his mm-hmm. bringing Salah and Mane more into it. Yeah. Um, his pressing is, is he dropped deep and kind of nicked the ball off the uh, party and, and Jack. And I think that was a problem for us in the first half that, that said uh, the two kind of side midfielders in Henderson and Thiago were often 
wide, which has given a lot more space to Xhaka and party to, to pick passes out to, to the Arsenal wide men. Now, Thiago and Henderson's position was better in the second half, but I think Bobby was a big part of shutting that down because he was harassing them. And like he, it was an excellent sub performance from, from Bobby. And, you know, it kind of just brings them back into the conversation because a lot of lately, obviously, people are talking about Salah, Mane, um, Diaz, obviously, Jota is always in the conversation and maybe Bob Bobby had slipped to that, that fifth place in, in the pecking order, but suddenly now he's he's kind of given everyone a reminder of what he's all about and, and it's it's just it's just fantastic to have those options. It is absolutely and we've got Steve Pizza then the in the chat who's absolutely agreeing with you there. Great points on Bobby with the applauding emojis. I'm going to come to you, Justin. I mean, talk to me about Bobby's goal, what you think of him, and how great was it to see like the old guard back? And um, a point that I'd like to get from you as well is the fact that, of course, you know, we were 1-0 at this point. As I mean, like for me, like, I don't know, do Arsenal's heads kind of, you know, do they kind of lose their head a little when they go one, you know, it's, they're great till they kind of concede. I mean, they had that great game against Man City. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what Arsenal is, though. And this comes down to the fact that um, Mikel Arteta, like his um, mentor in managing Pep Guardiola, is a person of bad mindset, right? They don't come back on you. If you take a lead against them, their teams quit. The only way that they beat you is by getting out ahead of you and then trying to play like, you know, where they control, you know, the, the constant just, well, you'll never see the ball. They can't do, yeah. Arsenal can't do that against us. They're just not good mm. enough, right? They can do that against a lot of teams in the Premier League, but they're just not good enough to do it to us. So the second that we scored, I think they knew they had to come out and try to play against us, and they know that if they really try to play against us and not just have it press and then back off, they're going to get picked apart because we're much better than them. Like, Arteta is just, I, I hate the way he sets up Arsenal against us. If actually, I don't hate it. We always beat the crap out of them. Why do I? I I'm a Liverpool supporter. Why do I let, hate that? I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but, nice, uh, nice turn on yourself there. Yeah, but also, you're asking me to say nice things about Bobby Firmino. That's that's easy to do. I love the guy. Um, you know, I, I I almost think he's no looking this goal, but I think in this one, it's just uh, he's just trying to make any sort of contact he can to get that goal word because at that distance. Mm-hmm. If he changed the direction on it, he's going in. And um, a really big shout out for that goal. And probably for all 90 minutes, needs to go to Andy Robertson, who was fantastic. Yes. I, you know, that was my next point. You know, talk to me about Andy Robertson, because I thought defensively he was very, very sound and solid again today. How many times did you say Bianca Saka's name? Exactly. Like, he was not in the game. The only, you know, the only time he had an opportunity, the only opportunity I think I can remember from him was uh, the first half when Robbo was caught out of position and he took one look at Verge and did what a lot of people do in that situation, which is hang up a crappy cross because you're not going to beat him. But um, Robbo was, I mean, the motor was constantly running. We didn't have Simicus on the bench, so he had to play all 90 or else it was going to be Milner time. And uh, he, you know, just he just kept going with a lot of energy pressed like a demon when he needed to and neutralized Arsenal's I think what you'd say is Arsenal's best attacking threat so yeah I think he had a really great game yeah anything you'd like to add to that Carl um regarding Robertson it's good to see him back again isn't it playing great 
Yeah, I mean, he, he really has uh, lifted his game in, in recent weeks after maybe being, I, I wouldn't, I'm not going to say by any stretch he was bad and kind of earlier in the season, like he, he was, he's always tired. good. Tired. But, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I think he, he wasn't at the, the kind of high standard he's, he set for himself at, at times. Um, but I think, I mean, Justin mentioned Simicast, and I think that that's a, a great factor to have there when you have such a, a good deputy below you kind of pushing you that, that bit further. Yeah. And I mean, uh, I a lot of people say they, you know, it would be pointless because they wouldn't get on the pitch. But I'd, I'd really like to have us have similar for the right side. You know, a player is going to push Trent to, to even higher levels. Um, and, and hopefully we, we see that in the future. But I mean... As Justin said, you know, Saka didn't have a lot of joy. And I don't think that was because Saka was bad. I, I think he was up for a scrap and it was a good battle. But Robertson got the better of him 90% of the time. And, you know, earlier talking about how Klopp, you know, made a comment on uh, Trent's defending, you know, that he'd fight anyone that, that uh, um kind of criticized it and I think Trent you know battled as well but you could probably say Martinelli got the edge on that side you know is is uh is yeah. trickery and um, yeah. proved troublesome um but that you know it, it was good battles on on both flanks there and I just think you know as we said Robertson just completely came up on top on on his and he, he was certainly one of the the contenders for for the the, the man of the match which I'm sure we'll come on to later we will absolutely. I mean, Justin, I'll come to you because I felt like we were very much in control then. I mean, the game started with some kind of, you know, um, intensity and there was some ferocity in that game in the first, in the second half. And I felt like as we got the goals, we kind of just eased into things. I felt like, you know, maybe to some degree, Arsenal's heads did drop. Um, you know, they did have maybe a slight scary moment. I mean, Cam always says on this part, 2-0 is like the most dangerous scoreline to have. Them words have like just kind of like etched into my brain right now. Around about eight to seven minutes. I mean, I think the only time they kind of scared me a little after the whole Alison thing that we spoke about previously was maybe around 87 minutes when Martinelli um, had a chance and he just fires it wide of Alison's goal. Um, but as a whole, I wasn't, frightened to go back to your point of yep they played really really great but they didn't scare me overly much yeah I also just think that their lack of a center forward really holds Uh, them back like Lacazette is I actually think Lacazette's a decent footballer um he needs to play yeah I thought I was a little I mean I I actually really wanted him about the ref player around the time Arsenal signed because I thought he would have been a good a good signing and a good guy to maybe pair with like uh Sturridge uh, at that point in time, assuming that Sturridge wasn't going to break, but like, yeah. yeah, he needs a player to play off of. He's mm. not, he's not a striker. He's a guy who play, he's a second, he's a second striker who, you know, get, who might do really nice things around second balls and create opportunities for someone else, but they have him as a target man. And it just doesn't work for him because he doesn't have, he's not good enough at any of the skills involved with scoring goals to actually play as a lone, as a lone striker. And I think Arsenal's, you know, Arsenal's goal scoring kind of comes, it's again, it's very City-like. Their goals come from attacking midfielders. Like, if you look at who scored their most goals, I think it's Smith Rowe, who is definitely yeah. attacking midfielder or a 10. Mm-hmm. Saka, who's a winger, inside forward, attacking midfielder. Maybe Saka is closest, probably, analog is, in the Premier League, probably most Salah, right? That's yeah. the player who's stylistically closest to him. Mm-hmm. Um, Martinelli is, is, Martinelli, again, you know what his 
he's his is very much like a a Sala kind of thing. But the difference is Lacazette doesn't do. It, though it, but it's those two just not as good as Salah or Mane in their time at Liverpool. And you have Lacassette kind of doing like a, a, a Bobby roll or a false nine. But would you, re- or actually he doesn't really do that. He plays as a striker. And that's the problem. If he's more withdrawn and they can get runners behind, beyond them, maybe they can do something. But I mean, that's where their goals come from. Martinelli, Saka and Smith Rowe. And it, it, it's, it's, a tough way to get sustainable goals in the Premier League if you're relying on them for midfielders only. I think that's a fair point. And what about you, Justin? I mean, anything you want to say about, um, sorry, Carl, anything you want to say there about, you know, just how you felt like how that game sort of, you know, the complexion of that game and how you kind of felt. And, you know, I, I was very, very comfortable at, at 2-0. Um, I didn't, I didn't get a scare. I think the only scare was maybe that chance on the 87th minute. Yeah, I mean, I think when we went 1-0 up, Arsenal had like a, you know, semi-threatening attack and, you know, which surprised me. I was kind of like, geez, Arsenal usually kind of down tools once they go behind, um, which credit to them. Well, they did certainly drop off when they went 2-0 down. I, I think they, they didn't capitulate and maybe that's a, a sign that the, the their young team is, is growing somewhat in terms of their mentality. But I, I I do think when we went 2-0, though, it was quite comfortable. I mean, we, we our game management was really good. You know, we, we passed it around well. We, we made Arsenal kind of pull them here, there and everywhere. Um, you know, we and we had, we picked our times to, to try and get forward. You know, we didn't create too much and the, maybe the, the final ball wasn't always there. But, you know, the, the game management was, was really, really good. And I, I think that's key. You know, Justin talked yeah. about the the fixture congestion earlier and the, the fact that, that we're, if we're to do the quadruple, which, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not Dale here. I'm not going to get carried away and say we're going to do it. But we it is a possibility. And if we're going to go far in all the competitions and if we're going to win matches, we need to manage games. And I, I think we saw that on the weekend against Brighton, where when we went 2-0 up, we completely took the foot off the gas, almost let them have the ball because we know they're they're kind of toothless. And mm-hmm. I think today we saw it in, in terms of just keeping it calm, passing it around. As you said, there was that one threat towards the end with, with Martinelli, and maybe if that had crept into the post, we might have had a, a nervy five minutes or so, but it didn't, and we, we were able to see it see it out. And we're going to have to continue to do that, uh, you know, in the the remaining nine league games and, and indeed the cup games as well. I've got a question for you. So obviously we're 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 a point behind City now, and you know every. Pretty much, if Liverpool, you know, if Liverpool can go on to win all their remaining games, that would be great. Who do you think the pressure is on? Um, Justin, I'll come to you first. Is the pressure on us or is the pressure on them? The pressure is on whoever plays second every weekend. It doesn't matter. It, 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 assuming that the team that's... You have to assume with the two of us in a title race that we're going to win every single game because we've seen this happen before. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I, I will get to this in a, I'll get to something in a moment, but we've seen this before. The 18-19 season, they won 14 straight down the time, down the ladder to win it. We won 13 straight. But a lot of the time, they were playing first. Like, Leicester, the Leicester game was actually a reaction. But whoever plays first that weekend gets the advantage of getting their result out there and putting the pressure on the other team where they must win. So 
Our next league game is against Watford. And we play the early kickoff after the international break. So we have a chance the next time we play in the league to go top. So that puts pressure on City to have to win that weekend. Now, they probably should. They're playing Burnley. Deitch constantly gets killed by City. But the complexion of that game changes when it's City need to win to stay in the, to, to, to jump back past us going into the game at the end ahead. And Burnley need to win because it's a relegation battle. So all bets are kind of off there if we take Watford first because it puts a lot more pressure on the City and it gives Watford a bit more of uh, I mean, it gives Burnley a bit more to play for because we will have also beaten someone else there in a relegation scrap. So, yeah. the, but I think you're going to see these constant pressure trade-offs. Ah. And that's what's going to, that's what it's going to be. I, I, I think it, I think at a gap of a point, it's, it's tough to sell who the pressure is more on because does it hurt more to have a 14 point lead and drop it? Or does it hurt more to come back from that far down and then not, and then not be able to finish the deal? Well, Steve W there says we play next, could take the lead. Pep will blow up with stress. Uh, yep, we already saw um, Bernardo Silva do that on, on Monday night. And I'm going to come to you, Carl. I mean, your thoughts on that. I'm, I'm assuming with the whole Burnley game as well, like, you know, as, as Justin mentioned there, we do you a favour, you do us a favour. And I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of tweets saying, well, that was a Liverpool fan when he grew up. I'm sure he'll do us a favour. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, as Justin said, it's always difficult for Burnley against uh, City because, you know, Burnley against any team give the, the ball away, you know, let alone against City where it could be something crazy like 85% possession. Um, but, you know, as Justin said as well, there there is that pressure on City if we've gone and won. And, you know, I, I think it's it's massive the the fact that you, you have to consider a few months ago there was talk of bookies paying out on City winning the league. Like it looked it looked over and you know, yeah. City have had a couple of hiccups, we've put together this run and now suddenly there's there's only a point in it. And I think it, you have to look at the managers as well. Klopp is excellent at defecting pressure you know he, he won't talk about Man City he's not drawn into that conversation he just wants to focus on game to game yeah. it's Man City that can't help but talk about Liverpool you know you, you saw what Bernardo Silva just it was yeah. insane just bringing us up <laughs> out of the blue like randomly just talking about Liverpool uh, you know to, to, to quote we uh, you know to, to quote Bernardo Silva to himself you need to get a life and maybe read a book get a new hobby get a girlfriend <laughs> do you remember yeah. when he tweeted that to Liverpool fans yeah I mean we're living rent free in his head and I think you know with uh, as the, the screw is being turned we're, we're probably going to be living rent free in, in Pep's head soon and I mean that you know a lot of people are talking about that decider at the Ed Etihad, and uh, you know while it'll play a massive part, you know we we can't focus on it entirely because there there are another eight games that we have to go and win. But I think with City being the home team, that puts a lot of pressure on them to to go out in that game and and you know on the front foot and you know kind of throw their their body around the yard and say that this is our yard and you know that that's extra pressure so for me personally i i think obviously there's pressure on both sides both sides want to win the league but i, I think there's that little bit extra pressure on on city and i'm hoping 
that that can play to to our strength and and that we can own that underdog card and and you know that I think I think we're often at our most dangerous when we're the underdogs. I also feel like has anybody ever actually feared the home crowd at the Etihad? Like at Anfield, we know it makes a difference. At the Etihad, not really. Like it it, it might not be the. Uh, they're they're not that we want to see. They, we're not the team they want to see in this situation. No, they don't. Uh, yeah, uh, it's it's you know, last season it was to their advantage with not having a single fan in in the stadiums. Uh, you know, um, the place that right at home, guys. Um, I loved your thoughts on that and uh, it'll be very, very interesting. I think it's going to be not even a physical game, a mental game. And I think just pushing a team right to the end is just absolutely incredible stuff, especially this City team with the with the resources that they have as well. I mean, you just got to give so much credit to Klopp and the team that, you know, he's he's built here. Right, man of the match. Carl, I will come to you first. Who is your man of the match and why? It's 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 a tough one. Um, I mean, I, I thought obviously Allison and and Van Dyke were both very good. Fabinho as well. Um, but I think the three contenders for man of the match for me are, are Robertson, who obviously I touched on earlier. Bobby, who, who we spoke a lot about, and a man we haven't spoken too much about tonight, um, who is Joel Matip. And I, I think maybe with you know around the time. Uh, Bobby scored. I was I was looking at Robertson and, and saying he was my clear man of the match. But I think as time went on, I just mat up just some so good. As I said in, in that time where we we were kind of keeping Arsenal quiet. I mean, just he was cutting out so much, and he was doing that earlier in the game as well. And I know kind of a few people questioned his his win as uh, player of the month for February and and thought maybe he'd had a couple of shaky games. But I, I think in in the past couple of weeks. He's been back to the to the solid matchup that we saw earlier in the season. So I'm going to go with Joel for for man of the match tonight. I like it a bit left field, right? We've got some responses here. Um, the Etihad tumbleweed is scary. Adam, they're saying with with the pumped in sound of baby shark songs, it could be tough for Liverpool. Um, Steve W thinks Ali is man of the match as long. Adam as well agrees with him. Um, Lubo thinks Robbo. Uh, Justin, I'll come to you. And uh, Steve Pizza said it's good when there's um, it's hard to choose. I, I have no difficulty choosing here. It's very easy for me. I love Roberto Firmino, yeah. Roberto Firmino, Oliveira, De Barbosa. Well, you know what Steve Pizza's follow up was um, Bobby for being the Arsenal whisperer and putting the crying laugh, laughing emojis. I just love him too much. Like the fact that also his first react was response to scoring a goal after coming off the bench for the first time is healthy since February was to go jump in with the supporters because he knows he, he knows the relationship between us and him. And uh, yeah, he likes it. I'm cool with that guy. I like him a lot. Yeah, lots of loving for Roberto Firmino. Right, guys. So them are your man of the matches right there. It's very interesting. I I would give it to. Bobby, but I am going to stick to my guns. And I thought Robbo had a really, really good game. So I'm going to give it to Robbo. But we've had some great shouts there. Ali kept us in the game loads. He was just alert and sharp. Uh, you know, I just adore that guy. But some great shouts there. 
let us know your man of the match people who are listening uh, tweet us let us know let us know your thoughts but guys we have come to the end of this podcast so a massive thank you to both Kevin and Harinda for calling in all you amazing people that joined us live thank you so much for keeping it interactive in discord and I'm kind of enjoying like reading your comments and stuff. So keep them coming and always join us live on, on Discord. Um, it's a shout out to new listeners as well. Join the community. It's, it's really calm and harmonious for most parts. And it could be a lot of fun all the way till May. And a massive thank you to these two. So guys, before I let you go, where can people find you on social media? And, there's, and is there anything you'd like to plug? Carl, I will come to you first. Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter at kmacofthecop. And as for plugs, I'm I'm not going to promise anything because I think the last couple of pods I've, I've said that, that maybe Guy and I'll get back at things on, on our end and we haven't. So um, hopefully, you know, we, we change that soon, but uh, there's nothing in the pipeline at the moment. Nothing in the pipeline. Okay, watch this space then, people. Watch this space. And Justin, where can people find you on social media? I'm still a bit shocked at the Juventus scoreline. My gosh. That is a rebuild and a half, but that's me just going off on a tangent. Justin, where can people find you on social media? You can find me at Rolls on Chavez. Uh, you can also find me at LFCNY. Um, and I'm going to do a, a shout out this week for uh, some, you know, go look and find your local official Liverpool supporters clubs because a lot of supporters clubs do some really good things. They give good atmospheres to watch games. And they also do things that are, you know, good for the communities that they're in. So, Go go find go find your official supporters club and maybe try to see if you know you want to go watch a game with them and sing stupid songs at uh, seven thirty. Well, not stupid, but sing songs at seven thirty in the morning on a Saturday because that's fun. It is fun, and it, of course, if you're an overseas fan as well, I I highly highly recommend it. If you just think you're watching the game in isolation, you you will find some you know like minded Liverpool supporters, and who knows, it could blossom into a great friendship. And support clubs are awesome; they always do things. Um, guys, this is the end of the Nina Casa show on, I hate late ones, but when we win, it's all good. Uh, thank you so much for listening, guys. Uh, take care. I get the weekend off. So happy days for me. Not so great for Guy Drinkle doing the, the Nottingham Forest game for the FA Cup. Uh, we're firing on all cylinders, which is amazing. Guys, take care. Thank you so much for listening and up the reds. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.